The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Anyway, we have a really interesting show tonight because we've got um, a couple of things going on. In the first part of the show, we're going to be talking to um, a couple of people from a group called Spectre Paranormal. Don Archer and Lainey Loy. They'll talk about their investigations, including one they're really, really proud of, which is called the McPike Mansion. So we're going to talk to them in the first hour of the show about those investigations. And then in the second hour of the program, we are going to go uh, and talk to uh, Rebecca Williamson, who is the owner of the Cambry House. This is the introduction of our new feature, which we'll do every Wednesday night from this point on, called History Behind the Haunt. And the idea is to look at locations that have a reputation for being haunted and understand what the uh, history of the location is. You know, and on the paranormal reality TV shows, we often learn a lot about the paranormal part of a location. And we get a touch of the history, but we don't get to delve into really what makes this place unique. Why is the, you know, this particular building uh, standing here to begin with? Who built it? Why'd they build it? What makes it interesting? Why is it unique? And that'll also translate into a, the ability to understand and maybe even explain some of the paranormal activity that is reported to be in the location. So in the second hour of the show, we will be talking to, again, Rebecca Williamson, owner of the Cambry House in Illinois. And she's going to tell us all about that location, what the history of it is, what the paranormal activity is, and uh, give us an overview of what it's all about. So I'm looking forward to this. I have a while because we were supposed to start this segment last week, but it just didn't come together. I had been away and um, couldn't pu- pull it all together in time. By the way, did you see that um, a Hollywood legend passed away today? Kirk Douglas. Now, Kirk Douglas is is from the golden age of Hollywood. I mean, he he was making films, what? In the 30, 40s, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, he died at 103 years old. Of course, the father of Michael Douglas. Uh, most people are more familiar with Michael Douglas at this point because he's been uh, a more current actor. However, Michael Douglas, I think, is in his 70s at this point. Uh, anyway, but Kirk Douglas, a, a Hollywood icon, passed away at 103 years old today. And um, obviously, thoughts and prayers to the, the uh, Douglas family. And a lot of tremendous films that Kirk Douglas uh, acted in, including, I think, what's the original Spartacus. And I also think it was, um, or was that Burt Lancaster? I get him confused. Also, uh, I think uh, the Van Gogh film. Um, oh, geez, I'm forgetting the name of it now. I had it right there. I had it. I had it. Uh, it's about Vincent Van Gogh. It's Lust for Life, I think is the name of it. Anyway. Uh, sad news about uh, Kirk Douglas, but uh, 103 years old. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, what else do we have to talk about tonight? Please go to YouTube. If you if you haven't found our YouTube channel yet, I encourage you to do that. Go to YouTube, search for J.V. Johnson. You'll find it very easily. Subscribe. We want to get our numbers up on YouTube, and they are climbing nicely. So thank you to everybody who subscribed so far. appreciate that very, very much. And then also, if you're on the flip side, if you're a YouTube listener, viewer, uh, participator, please uh, find us as as a podcast as well because sometimes you just can't make the YouTube you know stream, and the uh, podcast is downloaded to your phone every day if you subscribe, and then you can catch up there. It's on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
um, Spotify, and others. Look for it. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal on the podcast stuff. So a lot of great stuff going on. Karen, again, thank you for uh, checking in. You are a podcast listener, and I appreciate you coming back around and checking us out here on YouTube and being part of the chat room. Appreciate that. Um, we are going to uh, go to break here, and when we come back, we'll bring our first guests in the pr- into the program. Again, Don Archer and Lainey Loy from Spectre Waves Paranormal. We'll talk about their investigations, including the Mick Pike Mansion, and that's coming up. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And just a quick correction here in case uh, anybody read the name that we had originally typed in our YouTube stream. Tonight's guests, Don Archer and Lainey Lawyer from Spectra Waves Paranormal, not Spectra Paranormal, Spectra Waves Paranormal. And we're really excited to have them along. They've done a number of investigations, including one we're going to talk about specifically tonight, the McPike Mansion. So, Don, Lainey, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you with us tonight. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Okay, so it's Spectre Waves Paranormal. Tell, tell us yes, how, it is. Tell us how this got started, Don. Well, uh, how it got started was, for me, in, 19, um, in the 1980s, and I'm dating myself, is that um, I was always interested in the paranormal. And uh, for the Chicagoland area, I put on a map called the Map of Souls. And um, so my interest always lied in... I think I went to one of the original Paracons that we ever had in, uh, in Chicago and attended then. So um, what ended up happening was that, uh, was that after uh, I had met Laney, uh, which is a number of years ago, is that uh, Laney had talked to me about uh, experiences that she had as a little girl in a house. So um, we decided we were, I, I used to watch the paranormal shows like uh, Ghost Hunters, like Ghost Adventures, and I had seen some uh, some blog reports. I had never done a formal paranormal investigation. This goes back to probably 2013, 12, somewhere around there. And I had never done a formal investigation, although, you know, I had interest in it. So uh, I saw a blog site that said uh, most of these things on the shows were faked. So as a challenge, I talked to Laney, and uh, we purchased some equipment, uh, did some research, some background, and actually went ahead and and uh, started to investigate using uh, a K2 meter and an EMF meter. And uh, just to kind of debunk, because I really truly didn't believe that what I was watching was incorrect and was made up. And uh, really, from the first investigation, we actually caught evidence. Um, we could corroborate. We knew the uh, location was haunted. It was uh, Capone's, what they call Capone's Warehouse in Chicago. And... Um, we knew it was uh, had reports of being haunted, and uh, we uh, had a spirit box session that um, that uh, ended up becoming to fruition. And uh, we heard uh, a voice. We were super excited, as I'm sure anybody would be. And uh, from that point on, it captivated us. And then we had a uh, situation that happened um, after a couple of investigations. Uh, Laney was uh, diagnosed with leukemia. Um, so, Lane, if you want to talk. 
Yes. Um, basically, what happened was I was given my last rights to go right. ahead and perform my last wishes. So um, I was really close to dying. I wasn't supposed to make it. Um, but I beat the odds, and I made it um, right next door to death. Um, I, a whole year later, I did uh, chemotherapy, but uh, for some reason, I came closer, I believe, to the other side. It's like I reached the, the other plane. So as we're going on our investigations, it's almost like I can pick the spots where to go in the house or if we're going to a historical museum, wherever it is, I can pick it. And, Don, you've noticed that, too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah hold, absolutely. Hold on, guys. And, I, and hold, Selene has become a lot more sensitive Don, can you uh, hear me? Since, uh, since her cancer diagnosis and remission. Don, can you hear me? That, yeah. Hold on, I just, want yeah, to back, I, I just want to back you up a little bit. We're covering a lot of ground in a hurry, and I want to back it up a little bit. Um, sure. You, you said that, uh, Don, that you were interested in the paranormal actually during the 80s, and there really wasn't a lot of paranormal television going on in the 80s. And you said to you, you, went, you went to your first Paracon. Was it back in the 80s that you went to a Paracon? Yeah, it was. It was at the, uh, it was at the Oak Park Arms Hotel in Oak Park, Illinois. Wow. And um, and when I was selling the Map of Souls, they really didn't call it a Paracon at the time. Sure. Um, but I was selling uh, this Map of Souls that we were, uh, me and my some friends from high school put together uh, for Halloween that year. And we thought we'd be entrepreneurial and, uh, you know, we'd write, we'd uh, make a map and, and show locations and show the brief histories behind those locations regarding ghosts. So we, uh, we'd gotten a booth, just like you do in normal Paracons now. Right. They had little tables that you could rent, and um, they had a few guest speakers, one of which uh, uh, he's uh, since passed away was R- Richard Crow, um, and he was uh, foremost, uh, the, the foremost paranormal guy, I guess, for the Chicagoland area. He used to uh, always go on WIND at the time um, on AM with Eddie Schwartz, and I think Eddie Schwartz has since passed too. So, um, and, uh, so I used to listen to, to those programs, you know, and there wasn't a lot uh, right. outside of, uh, legends, but right. he was, uh, the big storyteller for the Chicagoland area. Now you, you know, used at to, the, at, the time. at that time, I mean, there were, there were some uh, people that were somewhat higher profile. There was, you know, Hans Holzer had done work prior to that. And the Warrens obviously did work throughout the seventies and into the eighties. Were you aware of any of the work that they were doing uh, at that point? I wasn't. I, I wasn't, and that's that's what I find interesting is that you know, thank God for the internet now, right? <laughs> you know, and sharing of information is that uh, is that, but uh, but yeah, and I, I don't think there was any references that were even made uh, during that uh, uh, that ghost exposition. I really did think they called it a ghost exposition, but uh, now that I think about it. So is it? But uh, yeah, 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 it was it was interesting. Well, it, it, so you, you kind of caught this fever before maybe the rest of the nation did, because you know there were pockets of people that were interested in this. And you brought up the internet. The internet, uh, without the days prior to the internet being available, kept all of these you know people with similar interests kind of segregated. You couldn't find each other. And you know when the internet was introduced, all of a sudden people could find each other and we started to create these networks of people with similar interests. And in our case, we're talking about paranormal stuff. So as you progressed right. through the 90s and the internet was introduced, did you start to reach out and find other people that had a similar interest? 
I, you know, at, at the time, I think I was, uh, I guess you could have called me a, a closet par- paranormalist, <laughs> if that's even a word. Right? So, so you enjoyed that, it, uh, you, you enjoyed it, um, you enjoyed it, you were curious about it, but you weren't really necessarily active in investigating at that point. Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah, that... That would absolutely sum it up. All right, Lainey, what what about you? Your interest started well before you met Don and, and started doing these investigations. Yes, it did. Actually, it started when I was a little girl. We actually lived in um, a house growing up that was haunted. Uh, we would constantly hear footsteps upstairs, and uh, my dad would go check it out, and nobody was there. So we were always aware that there was something else there, some kind of ghost or whatever you want to call it, spirit. And, um, of course, as I got older, I got more curious about research and where does our energy go once we pass away? Um, it, it was a very uh, big question, and I could never find the answer. And today I still can't find the answer of where does our energy go once we pass away. And I have to ask you, because uh, I, you know, I'd already made a note about your personal experience with leukemia and the fact that you were actually uh, uh, close to death, which is a scary thing to say. Explain yeah. to us where you were spiritually at that point. And, and, and then after, the, after you answer that, I want to ask you a, co- a question specifically is how, how you think it helped you or changed the way you view the paranormal. Okay. So basically what it was, was it was really mind over matter. Like, even though they were telling me that I was going to die, I was going to pass away, I kept such a good, my mind was so positive, like, hey, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm going to beat this. And I mean, really, your mind is so powerful. And it really helped, I, I believe, beating the odds of actually dying from leukemia. I mean, I mean just keeping a positive attitude you, the whole time and... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just I just hear you say that. And and quite honestly, cancer has touched not me personally, knock on wood, but my family. I, I mean it's touched me personally, but not 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 that I've had the illness, but I've had many family members have the illness and I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of them lose their battle with it. So that must you must be able to serve as an inspiration for people who get these diagnoses and uh, maybe lose hope. I mean you you obviously can be a beacon of hope to people. I mean, it's a very hard thing to go through, especially when you're in ICU for a couple of months um, in the hospital on the floor. You got like pick lines in you. It, it, it's really an emotional roller coaster. It really is. But just staying so positive and know that, you know, the doctors are not always right, that you're going to beat this. And being so close to the death plane is where I think I am able to connect more so with the other side, whether you- it be in a different dimension, yeah. parallel universe, what we can't see that's really there. Do you feel like at any point uh, during that illness, during the darkest days of that illness, that you actually uh, made a connection to the other side in any fashion? I believe I did, but I don't think consciously I'm aware of it. If that makes any sense to you. Yeah, it does. I think it does to a degree. So obviously, and thankfully, you recovered from the illness. You sound very healthy now, which is great. Um, (laughs) Thank you. But uh, tell me how it affected your ability to perceive uh, paranormal activity, the other side, spirits, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it affected. I want to know about it. Well, I mean, just like you were saying with the Nick Pike Mansion, um, when 
we were hearing um, horses walking on cobblestone with our own ears, and we didn't see any horses walking on cobblestone. I was the one that actually saw red and white streaks. God never saw the red and white streaks that I pointed out to him. So it was almost like they called to me to go ahead and go to that spot. And when we were at McPipe Mansion, being on the porch, I went to the spot because I thought somebody was touching our, our, our equipment. I wasn't sure. I saw something. And so you're going to assume it's either a person with a flashlight or something. And that's when Don came over. And, Don, you heard the, the horses walking on cobblestone, too, just because yeah, I said, hey, let's go to this spot. And I'll interject in here for just a second, J.D., yeah. is that, uh, is that uh, you know, uh, after, you know, we had done some investigations, like I alluded to, um, prior to, uh, uh, to Laney's illness. So after Laney's illness is that, you know, we would randomly go around uh, uh, to places that, that you know, uh, were purported to have, you know, the hot spots in the, in the uh, places that we were investigating. And um, afterwards... Um, after Laney, uh, you know, fully recovered and, uh, we decided to start doing this again is that, uh, instantly things had changed from my perspective with investigating with Laney is that she, um, she would pick spots that the homeowners or that, uh, the, the people who control the property, um, never talked about. And, uh, we would garnish evidence more so than evidence that we would get in, in, you know, reported hot spots in the, uh, in the building. And so, um, so at first I didn't, I thought maybe it was just coincidental. Um, but then, um, what really shook me was one of the, uh, uh one of the investigations that we did, uh, um, at the, uh, Fowler theater in Indiana is, um, uh, we asked the people not to tell us really much about the history. And then we come back and try and try to corroborate, what or, or explain what our experiences were and what we caught, and then we we kind of corroborate with them what they know or what they've heard, and and I think that's an interesting approach than to be told exactly what the experiences are, and then uh, then you're kind of looking yeah. for it, so it kind of leads you, I think, a little bit. So we try to do it in a different approach, and at the Fowler Theater, Laney had come out, and um, and we had talked to the gentleman that was hosting it, and. Um, uh, Laney had said, listen, did anybody get hung behind the, uh, the screen? And I, and that was really an epic moment for me. I was stunned. She didn't even bring it up to me. Wow. And, um, and he confirmed it. He confirmed the hanging. So, um, he said, yes, he goes, absolutely. He said, uh, he says there, there's reports of somebody that, uh, uh, a stagehand that hung himself behind, you know, where the, where the back part of the screen is now. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, so now guess what? You know, I know we always say that, that we listen to our significant others is that, uh, but in cases of paranormal investigation, I listen to significant others. I can tell you that. <laughs> Let me ask you though, uh, Don, when, before you really started to investigate, um, now if, if I, if I read the information right here, Laney, you mm-hmm. were diagnosed with leukemia in, in 2014. Is that right? That's correct. And yes. uh, the two of you actually got married later that year, but or, or at least engaged later that year. But at what point did you start investigating, before or after the leukemia diagnosis and the illness? We we started investigating. We did a few investigations prior to the leukemia uh, diagnosis. Okay, so, so it you... was it was probably yeah, it was uh, about 2013. Okay, so you um, did some that, investigations. That so you've got a baseline to work with. You've done some investigations, Laney. Uh, 
uh, gets this terrible uh, news, this uh, this horrible diagnosis, but she beats the odds. She kind of has a brush with death here, comes out of it uh, healthy, but has a new sensitivity. Did you, Don, see the difference from those original investigations to what you now were working with when you were working with Lainey after that horrible illness and her new sensitivities? Yes, absolutely. Is that is that, and it was a marked difference. Lainey, did, and, it, um, did it scare you, Lainey, or frighten you, or startle you, or concern you when all of a sudden you started to have new new sensations about all of this, and when you were able to determine maybe where the activity was because you had this new sensitivity? Did that frighten you at all? No, not at all. I, I'm very intrigued. Um, and what you said, um, to go back to what happened, um, it wasn't the news that I got. I was actually cooking dinner one day, and I went into a grand mal seizure. Oh, wow. And I hit my head. So, And then um, I was unresponsive for quite a while, but luckily Don was here. So he was able to, you know, keep my head up because it was a grand mal seizure and blood was spewing out of my nose and just, like, everywhere. So oh, when I geez. got out of that, I what was I done? I was a little combative, you said. So that right, right, yeah, confused, felt. right. Yeah, it was. I, I still don't know why I felt that, but um, then things started going back to normal. Um, being on investigation, sometimes you do feel kind of like you know something sort of like that that you can't explain why you feel the way you do. Hopefully that makes some sense. Yeah, it does. I guess I'm just trying to determine what your reaction was to that. Now, and the reason I asked the question is we've had many people on the program that have had near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences, and very, very frequently, or if I even take this a step further, we've had people with psychic abilities on the program, and very often their story starts with, I was I didn't notice I had any of this stuff, and then I was in a car accident, and I actually had an out-of-body experience, and when I came out of that, I had all these sensitivities, and it was confusing for a while. And I'm wondering now, if you, you had any of that confusion or any of that, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure it out, period. Now, I do want to say I really didn't, because when I was first born, I actually had the umbilical cord wrapped around my, my neck twice. Oh. So when I came out, I was pretty much dead, and oh, wow. um, there was no cry or anything. Uh, the doctors took quite a while to revive me. So Jeez, you've you've had, you've had it some... rough since day one, boy. <laughs> You're a real fighter. Like you... Death is knocking at my door. Yeah, you are <laughs> a real, real fighter. Don, tell me about the McPike Mansion. What's what's unique about it? Well, is that. Uh is that, you know, it's purported to be one of the most haunted uh, mansions um, in the country. Uh, when we went there, uh, I mean, we were very excited because we thought, wow, you know, this, uh, this will be a nice investigation. We were, and sure. so when we went there, we were, um, you know, we had read the history about uh, uh, the gentleman who, uh, who built the property, um, you know, that there were a, a, a few reported deaths, on the property, uh, one of which was uh, one of his wives, and um, um, I believe he passed away on the property as well. And uh, Sharon had alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, his uh, presence is well-known in the property, as is his wife, and uh, I believe they had a child that passed away there, too. That was about all we knew um, when we went there to, to investigate. And the, the unique part of our McPike Mansion experience um, that really hit home for me and that I thought was really unique um, was when we were in the foyer doing a spirit box session, we had heard 
um, well, we were wrapping up the session when Laney had looked out these lead glass window doors. They were original to the property where you can't really see. They're very opaque and you can't see through the windows themselves. And she insisted, again, that she saw a red light and a white light go past the doors. Well, we had, you know, equipment out on the porch, so we ran out to the porch and um, opened, left the front door open. And fortunately, our static cam was still running in the, in the foyer. And uh, that's when we both, with our own ears, heard uh, the horse sounds. It was, a, it was a distinct horse and carriage sound coming from in front of the property. Um, now, Sharon had alluded to the fact that um, Ghost Adventures had been there um, a month and a half prior to us being there. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were very curious. We wanted to, you know, I, I really wanted to see the episode because I wanted to see if they caught anything similar or in similar areas that we captured at the property. And uh, the unique thing about it was was that uh, about halfway through the show, um, Zach is there and he says, uh, do you guys hear that? It's horse sounds. It's like a horse and carriage. And ironically, we were, we had already posted our evidence oh, wow. and, wow. um, on our evidence, um, you hear the horse and carriage sound and you hear me say almost verbatim, uh, Laney, do you hear that? It's horses. It's like horses on cobblestone. It's like horse and carriage is that, is that I tell you what, even talking about it today, I get, uh, I get goosebumps. And I don't think I can honestly say is that is that, you know, and I try now, you know, because we do, uh, you know, a great deal of, of investigations, both private and historic, is that and I try to see other places that we've been to. I watch other people's evidence right. after we after we investigate. And I can't tell you that I've ever seen identical evidence with identical experiences from two different paranormal teams that never had any interaction. And you're saying that your evidence, you got your evidence prior to seeing the evidence from ghost adventures. Yeah. So you weren't influenced, you weren't influenced by that show when you got your evidence. No, no. And you know, so because we, uh, again, we were there, in August of 2018, first of all, uh, you know, one our of the, understanding they were there July of 2018. Yeah, one, one of the and, things I haven't I haven't even asked yet is where all this is taking place. Where is the McPike Mansion? Where is it located? McPike Mansion is Alton, Illinois. Alton, so Illinois. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a few miles off from uh, the uh, the Illinois uh, Missouri border by St. Louis. I want to know what. Uh, let's go, uh, Laney. Answer this question first. What's the best evidence you've caught, regardless of where it is, McPike Mansion or otherwise? I think it was just recently, um, this past weekend, at a private residence in Kankakee, Illinois. Uh, the family was, over the years, they lived there for about 14 years, and their health was declining tremendously um, to the point they were getting hospitalized. And uh, they actually were moving, and we were called in so they can get the final answers as to was, what was in there causing their health illness. And um, they would always experience paranormal stuff going on, lights going on and off, along with their health declining. Laney, you saying? And, uh, hold on, Laney. Are you saying that they had some paranormal activity that was actually affecting their health? Yes. Yes. What type of symptoms were they having w- with their health? Oh my God. Um, she had knee replacements. Um, uh, after her knee replacement, the woman fell down. Um, uh, let's see, um, what happened with the guy? He couldn't really breathe. He started walking with an oxygen tank. Um, she had a uh, uh, shoulder surgery uh, 
guy, the little kid that was living there, um, they actually saw him. He was unresponsive one day, and he was turning blue. Um, they actually said also, um, he, when he was a little boy, he just disappeared. They couldn't find him anywhere in the house. And then they looked everywhere, and finally he just showed up. Um, mm. When your children go missing, that's really scary. Don, that's and he a, was just a little boy. Yeah, Don, that's, um, I mean, other than the, the breathing problems, uh, the other things that Lainey just described almost sound like injury as opposed to health issues. What, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, if, you know, if, if, if a woman falls down after a knee replacement and, you know, was she pushed? And if, if a boy is unresponsive, was he harmed by some of this paranormal activity directly? Is that, is it, and, and that was, that was the question. And, and that's, that's what really came to pose with us that they always felt that it was oppressive. And I will say this is that fortunately the family has moved out completely and uh and we just followed up with them recently uh to see how they were how, how they were doing and um um they sound better mm-hmm. they're more yeah they're they're more uh they they report the fact that they're they're not fighting as much um between themselves and, uh, you mean they're not fighting amongst themselves is that what you right, mean right yeah. right what did they're, you... they're not so negative okay so bef- that, did you uh, investigate the is, property before they moved out uh no, they uh, they called us. Um, they were in the process of. They only had a few items left in the house, so they still had keys to the house, and um, uh, they wanted to uh, to find out if it was they themselves that were, you know, uh, uh, just going through a bad t- stretch of time and health issues, right. or but but they truly believed that they thought it was the house that they thought that. That at that point, that's really why they made the impetus to move and and get out of the house. So, um, is that and, and fortunately for them, um, I mean, we went there and it was you know even, even though it's fresh in our minds, it was it was pretty prolific. I mean, we uh, we we caught a lot of things. We we do a lot of uh, SLS, you know, and I know it's another controversial piece of uh, of a paranormal toolbox, but um, we uh, we do a lot of SLS. Uh, portions of the investigation and um we were we were actually shocked usually you'll get random figures from time to time some of which you can debunk explain explain yeah explain to our listeners what sls is just so everybody's under on the same page here oh okay yeah thanks is that so we um you know we caught an extensive amount of figures uh unexplained um and that was up in the master bedroom, which, you know, is, is where the husband and wife resided, um, you know, through the course of the 14 years that they were in there. And, uh, one of the odd things on this investigation, now I know it's never happened to us before. Um, and, uh, I, I digress back to the spirit box. Uh, we were doing a spirit box session down in the, uh, what would be the living room. And, um, we ended up getting, um, uh, in, in the responses going back and forth, they actually said my name, my full name. Um, and, uh, when I reviewed the evidence and went back, we thought we heard it when we were there. And, um, I went back and, uh, there was even a follow-up question saying, I need you Don." Um, so, um, yeah. And that's not the, uh, that's the first time I've had my name called out. Uh, but that, that is not the, uh, uh, the first time that we've had dialogue, through the spirit box, and, and I mean sentient dialogue, not 
not just random yeses and nos and, right. you know, arbitrary things that you think you hear. Um, you know, and, and I try to make it a point that any evidence that we put up, that we post to the public, that that I go through that evidence, you know, with headphones, I reanalyze the uh, audio tracks to make sure that what I think I'm hearing, if I, if I don't know what it is, I won't put it up, you know, is really what the point is. But, yeah. um, but I think we corroborated there was some... Uh, kind of oppressive, um, uh, you know, entity in there it, it, is that I don't think it was a dangerous entity, but I think it was definitely oppressive because usually on investigations, you know, you get tired after you do hours upon hours upon hours of focus and, and investigating. But uh, I can honestly say is that we left there and I've never been physically drained like that. I was, I could have fallen asleep in the car on the way home. Well. Um, I mean, I would. You said it wasn't. A, uh, I don't remember what word you used. If it was dangerous or not, but if a boy is turning blue and somebody somebody's being maybe pushed down, I'd say that there might be a little bit of a danger there. Uh, Laney, did you determine? I mean, given your sensitivities, did you get a sense that there might be something very sinister at play there? Um, what I felt, I felt something different than than Don did. It was more of a. Um like it wanted me to make like laugh a lot and i don't understand why it was trying to manipulate me at all to try to laugh um i don't know the feeling i got it was not a good feeling it was definitely very very draining that they want to just drain the energy out of somebody yeah it, it was not good at all uh, i try putting my finger on it i'd love to go back there but um, <laughs> it, it it was pretty bad. And when you and when you followed up with the family after they moved, did those uh, problems they were having? You said they weren't arguing less, but what about the other stuff? Did it go away? Is that uh, he he has since not used his oxygen tank, and um, and uh, she uh, she she had had problems in the past, even after uh, falling falling down after the knee uh, operation that. Um, uh, she couldn't really walk up and down the stairs. Um, she it was really labor intensive for her to get up and down stairs, and uh, and now she's walking up and down stairs. Hmm. And so you know, uh, I, I can't even express how happy they are that they weren't that they're not in that property anymore. Yeah. There have been a lot of theories that have uh, come forth in the last few years about what ghosts actually are. I mean, for a very, very long time, I think the only real prevailing theory was that these are spirits of the of the dead. Um, but mm-hmm. now there are people starting to talk about uh, uh, parallel dimensions and uh, maybe even an ET connection, maybe time travel. Does any of that make sense to you or are you still of the camp that you know what we're looking at here when it comes to ghosts is spirits of people that have died no and i'm, and I'm surprised that you actually said that is because uh, laney and i have been having this conversation probably for the past two years now is that um thinking in, in in terms of the fact of you know branching out besides that it's a it's a soul or a conscience a consciousness that that prevails, that, that stays in a location, you know, be, due to events or due to uh, their own will, their own human will uh, to, to not uh, cross over. But um, from a parallel uh, universe standpoint, I, you know, we've talked about it a lot that, uh, that it could be, it could be basic, basically, you know, you, you hear people uh, talk about portals a lot in, uh, in different locations. Like they believe that, that the portal is, 
you know, uh, access to a different realm. Well, some people believe that that portal is an access to spiritual realm. And um, uh, I truly believe that, that if indeed somebody has, you know, ha- has come across what they believe to be a portal, I really believe that may be a dimensional rip. That may be an opening uh, to a parallel universe, to a different dimension, you know, and, and that goes, you know, that goes all the way back to, to historic theories about that, um, uh, that uh, 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 aliens had visited here. And, you know, I mean, there, there seems to be more and more corroborating evidence to the fact that, that a lot of the ancient cultures were, um, were part of, of an alien ex- experiment, basically, yeah. you know. Yeah, this these theories are becoming more and more researched, and therefore there's more information coming out and uh, in, in, in making them more plausible. All right, so I have to ask you something that's um, really kind of sent uh, a bit of a shiver down my spine when I was reading about it, when I was reading about the both, both of you uh, before the show. Lainey, do you really collect Barbie dolls? I do, yes. Haven't you ever seen any of these shows with the haunted dolls? I mean, dolls are just downright creepy. Don't they Don't they scare you? <laughs> I'd love for them to have, like, a parallel Barbie doll. That would be awesome. Or a paranormal investigator Barbie doll. There you go. Let me ask you this. Are your dolls, like, set up and, like, do you have them on display so you can see them? <laughs> no, currently I do not. Okay. I did before, but uh, currently I do not. All right, Unfortunately, so, so, right now they're in storage. Okay, so Don, you don't have to worry about like walking through the house and those <laughs> eyes following you as you're walking along, right? You're okay with that? <laughs> no, but you know, uh, but you know, so so Lainey, to make up for the fact that that uh, her collection is in is in storage right now, is that um, is that uh, uh, Lainey has uh, superseded those with uh, with getting. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with these dolls called Fugglers. But, I have um, no idea what that is. <laughs> it sounds a little. It sounds a little naughty. What is that? <laughs> a fuggler, I know, <laughs> is that uh, is that it is uh, just an ugly, creepy doll with realistic teeth and eyes. These are, they're um, like they're like new dolls, like things you can go buy today. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. They sell them. They they sell them at places like Walmart and Target. What the and heck uh, is wrong? you know, can, can you imagine being a five year old and getting that for a present? <laughs> no, I, I can't at all. I can't. <laughs> is, that, is that they are you know, and they're not creepy in the sense of what you would think. They're just creepy, ugly, which I think is is even worse. Hence the word fuggler. It's even know? worse. Um, but Don, I got to say that I, in reading about your hobbies and stuff, you're a man after my heart uh you're a bass player i'm a bass player as well are you it seems like all it seems like all of us you know i was in i was in radio in the 90s so is that it seems like everybody i hire um ends up playing bass i've had more bass players work for me (laughs) (laughs) it's funny it's amazing it's 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 kind of a an incredible little uh little tidbit there one of the fun things uh that i've always enjoyed doing um at several paranormal conventions and and gatherings is that there's a lot of musicians in the crowd and we tend to gather at the end of any given night in a in the lobby of the hotel that we're all staying in and everybody's got guitars and whatever and and there's a lot of singing and playing going on and i really really enjoy that you ever get a chance to do that any one of these paranormal paranormal events no i haven't but you know what is that uh is that now you've intrigued me yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, and 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 I you know we've been sitting around and actually I I played I'm a guitar player as well and I played uh, 
uh, a request for Josh Gates so he could sing "Here Comes the Sun." I did, I did that, for him and, I, and we got it on video. It's just hilarious. It's so much fun. Anyway, guys, so if if somebody wanted to contact you because maybe they're in your area of Illinois and they want a little bit of help, how could they do that? Well, they can um, they can write us anytime on SpectreWaves at gmail dot com, and uh, we're always responsive. We're always on there. Is that, um, and I think that's the uh, that's the best way to do it. Um, and, and I will put out there that uh, that uh, any evidence that we discussed today, um, please feel free to check out our YouTube channel, Specter Waves, Specter Waves, because uh, we like to repeat it twice, um, <laughs> just to put it over the edge. Um, is that uh, check out uh, some of our evidence? Uh, they're not super long videos and uh you know maybe you'll get some insight into things but uh yeah we welcome anybody's responses um anything that any, anybody uh, uh you know would like to know about us or even if they want to contact us uh for a, a paranormal investigation we'd be uh we'd be happy to reach back out to them that's terrific yes, we're always looking for places to do new investigations so if you believe you know of a place that's haunted or your place is haunted please yes contact us just leave the creepy dolls home please okay just leave them on the shelf wherever they are <laughs> Guys, that's right no fug- no fugglers no fugglers thank <laughs> thanks so much for being here tonight i appreciate it. it was a great conversation best of luck to you hopefully our paths will cross again sometime hopefully they will thank you so much for having us on jb You're welcome. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to uh, introduce our history behind the haunt segment. This will be the first one we're going to do. We're going to talk about the Cambry House tonight with Rebecca Williamson right here on Beyond Reality. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're excited tonight because actually this is the launch of a new feature on the show that we've been talking about for a long time. The feature is called History Behind the Haunt, and we're going to take a look at various locations with a haunted reputation or haunted reports or just a really fascinating history that lends itself to the paranormal. And we're going to examine them a little bit more closely and try to understand you know, what the what the history provides to the paranormal story. You know, we're going to talk about the haunt. We're going to talk about the ghostly activity, if that's what it is. We're going to do all that as well. But more importantly to us during this particular segment is going to be the history of the location. And tonight, we're talking with Rebecca Williamson. Rebecca is the owner of the Cambry House in Illinois. Rebecca, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. Ah, it's great to be here, JV. So let's talk about the Cambry House. First of all, just we're going to get into some details as our discussion goes on, but give me like a paragraph description of what the Cambry House is all about. Sure. Um, so the Cambry House was built in 1867 by Adolf and Hortense Cambry. Um, they were French immigrants who came to Illinois around the 1850s, um, and then they they bought this property around 1860 and built the house in 1867. So the house has been in the Cambry family for four generations. Um, It was sold in 1979 to my grandparents. Um, So it's only had two owners. It's never been significantly remodeled at all. Um, (laughs) Running water. My grandparents put running water (laughs) in the house in the early 80s. 
Um, but other than that, it hasn't really been remodeled at all. Did your grandparents buy the home as a primary residence? Did, that, did they live, live there and that was their intention when they bought it? No, that was not their intention when they bought it. Um, my grandparents live about 15 minutes away from the house, or they lived, um, I should say. They passed away. Um, but they, they bought the house with the intention of preserving the history of the home. Um, my grandmother came there. It was an apple orchard from the 1850s until the 1950s. And my grandmother, when she was little, had gone there to pick apples. And so she had some really fond memories of being there at the apple orchard. And when the house went up for auction in 1979, she talked my grandfather into going to see it because she really wanted to see it again. And it was exactly the way she remembered it when she was a little girl. I mean, how many places can you say that about? (laughs) You know, and you go, go back as an adult to places and have it be exactly the same. Um, my grandparents, they loved history and they loved antiques. So this house was an extension of that love. They bought it with the intention of preserving the history and preserving the home the way it was. And the history, as far as they knew it, uh, in addition to your grandmother having experiences there as a child in the apple orchard, was there was there mm-hmm. something else that uh, piqued their interest and their curiosity? Is there something notorious about the property? Well, um, the, the Cambries were Icarian, um, so you probably don't know who the Icarians were. You know what, you know what Rebecca? <laughs> you know what, Rebecca? I don't know what the Icarians are or were, so why don't you tell us what they are? <laughs> Not many people do. Uh, so the Icarians were um, a group that was formed out of the French Revolution. Um, Etienne Cabet wrote this voyage in Icarie that was the perfect utopian society. So a large group from France came to Nauvoo, Illinois, to form their perfect utopian community called the Icarians. So um, Adolf Cambry came as part of that Icarian group, um, and he stayed with the society for a little bit, and then he left. Um, most of the Icarians you know, utopian societies and stuff, they kind of um, <laughs> don't stay very long in that group. Right, um, right. So after he left, then he built the house. So um, the, uh, the Cambry House is considered an example of Icarian architecture. Oh, okay. And is one of the only um, only examples remaining of Icarian architecture. Um, so it's on the National Register of Historic Places. My grandparents went through the process of doing that in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finding all the history on the home and we're able to put it on the National Register. And it's the first privately owned home in Hancock County, Illinois, that is on the National Register. And, you know, you helped me out, too, because I was going to have to ask you how to pronounce the town. uh, And you said it's Nauvoo. Nauvoo, yeah. <laughs> so I have that right too. Um, is that is that an Indian word? Is that an Indian word, or is that a, some kind of distortion um, of the French actually, word? I believe I believe it's a Hebrew word. Oh, okay. Um, the the town of Nauvoo was founded by Joseph Smith, who is the founder of the Latter Day Saints religion. Right, right. You know, and oddly enough, Joseph Smith created Nauvoo to be a utopian community as hmm, well. Hmm. Um. So that was his perfect society. And then, um, of course, you know, I don't know if you know your Latter-day Saints history <laughs> or not. Um, anyway, he was um, he was martyred shortly uh, after founding this society and stuff. And then um, the the Saints left and went to Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Then, it's funny you mentioned that just because I had recently watched a documentary series on Netflix called The West. 
And one of the episodes, it's like 10 episodes of the American history of the expansion to the West. And one of the episodes focuses on the Latter-day Saints. And it talks about that very, the story you just told. Uh, and I didn't remember the name of the town or how it worked, but I do remember Joseph Smith moving to Illinois and starting a community. And then after that, they they uh, went to uh, Utah and to try to be yeah. independent. So, yeah, I do remember some of that. Right. So Nauvoo, um, the, the they, after the Saints left Nauvoo, then um, this other utopian society came in, bought all the property, and created their Icarian society there. So um, uh-huh. the Latter-day Saints have taken downtown Nauvoo and recreated it to the 1840s. So today you can go to Nauvoo just like it was in the 1840s. Oh, wow. Now, um is there something unique about that geography that makes it so attractive to people trying to create a utopian society? Well, I don't know <laughs> exactly, but it seems to happen. Um, it was uh, settled by the Indians as well. So Nauvoo was also called Quashquina. Um, there was a Native American society there, too. So it's just it's right on the river, on the Mississippi River there, and it is a beautiful spot it really is yeah it sounds it and i actually had the um, opportunity to look at some of the pictures on the website and stuff um so it, we, we know a little bit about the history of the area we know that uh the the cambry family built the home owned it up until your grandparents bought the home was it in, did you say 1979 they bought it yes yes and then and then it's been in your family since now how did you become involved with the home personally well It's always been a part of my life. So my grandparents, they never lived there, but we had a lot of family activities out there. Um, You know, Easter, birthdays, family gatherings. We we had all these things out there. And um, my grandparents had, like, craft shows there every fall. They would have these huge craft shows in the 80s, which was a very popular time for craft shows, you know. And uh, huge gatherings, just we had a lot of fun out there. So it's been part of my life a long time. And so um, after my grandparents passed, they were kind of discussing what they're going to do with this property. And, you know, when they talked about selling it and we had a real estate agent come and she's like, oh, this is going to have to be completely gutted and remodeled. You're just going to have to completely, you know, remodel it to sell it. You know, anybody who wants to live here is just going to have to gut it. And it just, the idea just broke my heart. And I said, okay, well, that's not going to happen because I'm going to buy it. (laughs) And um, so I bought it and then said, oh, gosh, what did I buy? (laughs) What did I do? And uh, so I did a lot of research into the history of the home and trying to figure out. I knew it was on the National Register, and I kind of had a faint idea. And so I did a lot of research trying to figure out who the Cambries were, why it was important, and fascinating so as a child uh, having family gatherings at this property although your grandparents didn't live there did you ever get an opportunity to spend the night there as a child no no i i never did that <laughs> um did you know your and that was one of the things i didn't really think about until after i bought it mm-hmm. i'd never been there after dark um mm-hmm. i'd never been there i never spent the night um it just I didn't really think about that because my grandparents lived just 15 minutes away. So sure. when it got dark, oh, it was time to go to grandma and granddad's. You know, we just just went there. Right, right. <laughs> we did, spent the night with them. <laughs> did your grandparents ever spend the night there? I believe they did. Yeah, I know they did. Um, but, you know, they didn't live that far away. So right. it wasn't so did they, a big deal. So did they or anybody before you 
acquired the property ever talked to you or did you ever hear reports of any type of paranormal activity going on in the house? Not really anything that they described as being paranormal. Um, There's some doors that open and close on their own. Um, In fact, my job during these craft shows was to stand by the basement door and make sure it stayed shut (laughs) uh, because it would it would pop open. Uh, You know, there's a trick to shutting it and latching it like old houses, you know. Um, And I know this trick because that was my job to make sure this door stayed shut Um, because it's like right in the kitchen, this door. And, you know, people walking by, you don't want them falling down in the basement. So I had to make sure this door stayed shut. And then the attic door upstairs has the same issue where it opens and closes on its own. Um, And it's an old house. (laughs) So, you know, didn't really think too much about it. and, And nothing was really said, oh, it's haunted. Now the store just won't stay shut. Describe the house to us. Describe the how the uh, you know, I guess the decor is and uh, how many rooms that kind of thing. Sure, um, it is. It's a simple house, um, but my grandmother always described it um, as being not just simple but clean. The lines there's always a a little bit of hint to the lines to make it have a gentle curve or something that makes it really pleasing to the eye. Adolph Cambry was an expert cabinet maker. So all the woodwork in the home is original to the 1860s when he built it. So there's um, a kitchen and a living room that are connected. And then there's a dining room right off the kitchen. And then there's a downstairs bedroom. And then you go upstairs and there's um, two small attic areas underneath the eaves upstairs, and one of those has been turned into a bathroom. Um, my grandparents were adamant they didn't want to change the footprint of the house to add a bathroom, so that's why this bathroom is squeezed into this funny little attic area. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a, a large open room upstairs, which I think was the children's bedroom. Um, and they had 10 children in this three-bedroom house boggles my mind every time I'm in there, but different times, you know? Yeah. Um, And then there's a a back bedroom. So so that's pretty much it. It's a a nice, for 1860s, it's a nice size three-bedroom house. Yeah, when I I Um, look... It's also... Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. It's a salt salt box That's what I was going to ask. And that's the architectural architectural style of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandparents called it the salt box a lot. So from the front, it looks like it's one story, and from the back, it looks like it's two story. And that's a New England thing where they they say that if the tax collector comes, you hope he doesn't walk around to the back <laughs> because the two story is a different tax rate, you know. So. <laughs> right. Um, do you live at that property now? Uh, I no, I don't. Um, I bought it. Well, I kind of just bought it, <laughs> and then um, so uh, after I bought it, I had to try and decide what I was doing with it. And my intention is to continue what my grandparents have done and preserve the history of the home. But um, in trying to do that, I realized, you know, I've had a couple cousins get married out here. It's a gorgeous location. Uh, if you saw the pictures of it. Yeah. And I thought, well, we'll open it up for weddings. And so it's we're, we're calling it a wedding and event center. <laughs> so it's available to rent for weddings. And at what point did you become aware of paranormal activity to the extent that that has become part of the, uh, I guess, attraction of the of the property. Well, 
We already talked about how I realized uh, I never really spent the night here, right? <laughs> right? right. Um, so after I bought it, I went out there to try and clean it up and do some work out there, and I spent the night. And um, my sister had come with me, and I had my daughter with me, and my sister had her puppy. And um, my daughter, who was eight at the time, was terrified. She was not going to sleep in any room in this house. So I just... You know, I finally got her talked into sleeping in the middle of the living room floor on an air mattress. That was it. That was the only room she said she would sleep in. That was it. So, and my sister slept upstairs in a bed with the puppy, you know. And so I didn't sleep very well because obviously I'm on an air mattress in the middle of the living room floor with an eight-year-old glued to my side. Right. And my sister has to take the puppy outside a couple times in the middle of the night. And doing that, she walks right by my head. And so I was woken up three times in the middle of the night by somebody walking right by my head, going out the front door and coming back in. And the next morning, I'm kind of bleary drinking my coffee. And I said, you know, puppy did really good. She only got up three times. And she said, no, puppy only got up twice. We slept great last night. And I said, no, (laughs) you went outside three times. And she said, no, I only went out twice. And I said, but what about that other time? <laughs> and then we started thinking about, um, you know, the doors that opened and closed. Um, and just, just kind of those things. And I thought, well, you know, I have a friend who was starting um, a paranormal group, um, Augusta, Illinois Paranormal. And I said, hey, do you want to come out and do an investigation? And he's like, well, sure. And um, so he came out and did an investigation. And it, wow that it just blew us away. <laughs> so it was during the investigation, yeah. they had a lot of activity and they, they caught a lot of things. Yeah. A ton of activity. Wow. Um, one of the first things that, you know, he came over and he's like, we're doing the walkthrough and I'm showing him different things, house and, and stuff. And I was freezing cold. It was an April day. It was kind of drizzly. And you know how those drizzly April days, yeah. mm-hmm. just, there's a cold to them. So I was shivering. I had my winter coat on and I'm doing the whole tour thinking the furnace in this house is done. You know, I'm just going to have to buy a new furnace. This is terrible. And um, he finally pulls out the temperature gun to start the investigation and check the ambient temperature of the house. And, you know, the furnace was set at 60. The ambient temperature was 58. And my furnace was working and I'm shivering. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's, he checked with the digital thermometer and directly behind me from about my waist down, the temperature was around 22 degrees and was dipping into the teens and the negative. Oh, my. Wow, yeah. that's drastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was a drastic, solid, solid cold spot. And the the rest of the time I was there for that investigation, that cold spot stayed either behind me or in front of me. It moved away, but it come back. And it just was really solid and very cold. Um, so that was like one of the one things where we were like, maybe there really is something here. Yeah. <laughs> um, just it was, and uh, the noises and just a lot, a lot of noises and just a lot of responses on the K2. And just, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal investigation. What was your attitude about the paranormal ghosts, hauntings, those types of things prior to learning all of this? Did you have any opinion one way or another? Not not about the house, but just in general. Um, I have always really been interested in ghosts. Um, 
you know, ever since I was a little kid, I checked out like every ghost book in the library and just, I've just always been totally into it. Um, I started doing paranormal investigations around 2003. Um, I got invited to go on a ghost tour with a friend and they went on a ghost tour and loved it. And the next night they were having a cemetery to ghost tour. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to do that too. So <laughs> I went back and did it again, like the next night and ended up making friends with the guy who was running the tours. And so I've done a lot of paranormal investigations and stuff. So, but it just, it just hadn't made the connection to the Cambry place being haunted. It just was not something that ever crossed my mind until we started doing activity. I'm not sure what kind of home you live in, but uh, where you actually reside, do you have any paranormal activity there? Um, occasionally. I try not to investigate homes I live in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I live in an older home that I've got a back door that opens and closes when it wants to. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, determine, but, I'm trying to determine, because sometimes it's not the home, it's the person. And, you know, uh, if, if you've had activity at your residence and then you have activity at the Cambry house, some of that activity may be related directly to you, you know, whether it's a spirit that wants to be next to you. And the way you described this cold spot being next to you, right. and leaving and coming back to you um, made me curious as to whether or not you are the reason uh, that some of this activity is occurring. Right. And I, I, I know that theory and it's possible however um i'm sure i know the uh, identity of the ghost at the cambry place so in buying the home i was given the complete cambry family history i have an entire family tree of four generations so um one of the daughters died at the age of nine years old and she's buried in the property in an unmarked grave um so um her name is Eglantine. I'm hoping I'm going to say that right. Um, <laughs> some, some of these historic names are just baffling beyond pronunciation in modern times, but we'll go with that pronunciation for now. I, that's the way Google has pronounced it for me is Eglantine. Well, if Google says so it's, it's right, spelled, yeah. If Google tells right, us. Right, <laughs> exactly. It's spelled E-G-L-A-N-T-I-N-E. Hmm, okay. So Eglantine. Good for you. Um, she that she's she died at the age of nine on the property and like I said she's buried out there, um, and so a lot of the activity we get there seems to be childlike in nature, oh. um, and you know we've got a lot of uh, KT responses that confirmed that Eglantine is there. Now you say she's in an so, unmarked grave, but do you know where the grave is, regardless of it being unmarked? I don't. You don't. So it's just um, on the I'm property. I'm working on trying to figure that out. Yeah. I've got 30 acres out there, mm-hmm. so it's like a needle in a haystack, um, and right. the, there's a lot of trees and stuff. I have some possible locations, but it's I have I'm not sure yet. Yeah, and you're not going to start digging. I mean, that's a little silly. So. I would think. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, and that was not an uncommon practice. In fact, it was the rule rather than the exception. You know, these families, when they lost a member of the family, and frequently during that time, you would lose young members of the family. There were diseases and things that we had no cure for at the time. And they would have right. a little plot on the on the property, and that's where they would uh, bury their family members. That's That certainly was the practice of the time. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, so she's buried there on the property. And, you know, a lot of times during investigations, we'll 
there'll be a knock upstairs and everybody will run and investigate the knock and then there'll be a knock back downstairs and everybody will run back downstairs and, you know, you're playing hide and seek almost with her. And it's, it's, we've had a lot of fun doing investigations because she just is very playful. Do you ever think that, or do you think that ever your, uh, the spirits of your grandparents revisit the home? Um, yes. During during investigations, um, we've had some interaction with my grandfather. Um, he, My grandparents just loved this place so right, much. Right. Um, and my grandfather was very attached out there. And um, we've had some interaction with him out there. He, yeah. Just Does that make you feel good? That must make you feel good, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I think I, I like knowing that they're there kind of watching over the place and um, that they approve of what I'm doing out there. And just it's, it's, we've had a lot of confirmation without doing paranormal investigations that they really approve of what we're doing. So that's very exciting to get. What is Mormon Springs? Mormon Springs is a mineral springs um, and it reaches out from underneath the house, actually, into a ravine on the side. So I have a natural mineral spring that runs underneath the property um, and is, is on my property. Um, during the Blackhawk War, um, Chief Blackhawk used to come to this mineral spring to get water before he went off to war because he thought it was blessed. Oh, wow. Boy, that, has, that area just has an amazing history. All these little kind of synchronicities, kind of interesting. Describe where Nauvoo is. Um, you know, we know it's in Illinois, but where? Um, well, if you look at the shape of Illinois, there's like a bump out on it. Um, and On the west, right on the west side? On the, on the west side of yeah. Illinois, mm-hmm, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a bump. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and it's right on the tip of that bump. On the Mississippi River. And then you mean, you mean right when you river. say the tip, do you mean the point that that's the farthest west, or do you mean the top yes. or bottom? Okay, all right. Well, that makes sense. Um, so, as you've you've uh, owned the property for a while now, and you've done some investigations, and you've also uh, introduced uh, ghost hunts and or, and tours, uh, have people that have visited the property as a ghost hunt or a tour visitor had experiences as well? Yeah, we've done ghost tours there for the last three years. We kind of said three year, years ago, we thought, oh, well, we'll just try it and we'll see how it goes. And it's become one of the most successful things we've done out there. Oh, wow. Um, almost everybody on a tour will have an experience, and it's been just incredible. Um, and just, I had I had a lady who was on her very first ghost tour this fall, saw a full-bodied apparition. It was really? unbelievable. Really? <laughs> yeah. Has anybody? Yeah, she was. Go ahead. She was standing in the back bedroom, and she was looking down at the K2 in her hand that was going off, and she turned to the person who she thought was standing beside her and looked up, and they were, there was no one there. And oh, wow. Just, it was, yeah, she was blown away. Has anybody been, anyone been able to capture any photographic or video evidence of apparitions? Um, it's a hard thing to do. Well, we have a little bit, a little bit. Um, (laughs) I like to say my ghosts are smart. Um, so they kind of, we have a little problem catching them on tape. Um, but we, there's, uh, one group got, uh, the guy's wearing a hoodie and the string of his hoodie got flipped up in the air, um, pulled Mm. up off of his chest and dropped. Yeah, you know they've got the little ties on the hoodie. Sure, yeah. 
so the tie on his hoodie was picked up and dropped. Now, are you saying that? that are you, are you saying that the the guy that was the tour the tourist to lack of a better word, but the person there who was doing the mm-hmm. the ghost hunt or the tour, his hoodie, not 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 the not yes. a spiritual hoodie. No, the, no, the hoodie wasn't on the ghost, hoodie. right? Okay, the, just guy, make the sure. guy's wearing a hoodie. He's just <laughs> sitting on the bed, kind of swinging his feet, and the the string on his hoodie gets picked up wow. and dropped. Okay. And he looks down at that point, and, and just it's it's a quick six second clip, but it was it's pretty. There's nobody standing around him at all. Um, so we've got uh, a few pictures of a face in the upstairs bedroom window. Um, but yeah, we don't have a lot of that sort of thing. Like yeah, it's hard. I think to, my ghosts are smart. <laughs> it's hard to capture that stuff. I mean, you know, uh, I've been invest- investigating for a lot of years, and uh, I, you know, I don't have any great photographic evidence either. But I've seen a lot of things, so it's just hard to explain mm-hmm. how that happens. But it does. Um, so you do not live on the property; you live elsewhere. But the property is available for things like weddings, parties, and you do the ghost hunts. How often do you do the ghost hunts or the ghost tours? Um, I do the ghost tours twice a year. Um, we do one in June on the summer solstice, and that this year will be the June 19th and 20th. Um, and then I do them the last two weekends in October as well. And as, and as far as the other things that the property is uh, uh, available for, uh, whether it's weddings or parties, how does all that work? Um, you just contact me to book, and then, then yeah, we... The wedding rental is usually like a three-day rental, so, you know, you have time to um, set up for your wedding and then have the wedding and then tear down and stuff. And then as part of the wedding rental, you can stay in the home as well. Do you think that the uh, Mormon or the Latter-day Saints uh, history in the area somehow either lends an energy to what's happening there paranormally, or do you think that the place naturally and i say the place i mean the whole region naturally has an energy which is one of the reasons that has been that it was has been chosen as a utopian site for other groups as well which which is which came first chicken or the egg here (laughs) well um i will say that that whole area is filled with limestone um there's a lot of limestone to that area um and then, of course, you've got the Mississippi River. Yeah. Um, that area of the Mississippi was the Des Moines Rapids. So um, it was a, a rapid area that you couldn't get a boat through. The boats had to be taken out. Um, and for, I think, like 20, 30 miles, the boat, everything had to be taken around this rapid area. Um, they put a dam in in Keokuk, and now you can take a boat through there. But um, the that area was the Des Moines Rapids is what they called that. Um, and so there's a ton of limestone. You've got the Mississippi River right there. And then, of course, you've got mineral springs and just a lot of energy in that area. So Yeah, and, then, I, and, then, and those types of things, as, as we all know who, who have followed paranormal investigations, limestone seems to be a source of energy. Running water seems to be a source of of energy to fuel these uh, these paranormal uh, occurrences as well. So, what's your hope for the property? What do you what do you want the property's legacy to be? Um, I just uh, I want to share the history. There's just so much history here. Um, I d- I love sharing the history of the property with people. Um, I love having people come out to see it. Um, there's one thing that happens almost every single time that when people come out and that 
at some point during their visit, no matter what they're there for, they'll take a deep breath and they'll sigh and they'll say, it's just so peaceful here. Mm. Every single person. Um, People talk about places being dark and scary haunted, and that's not what I have going on. It's it's just a peaceful, quiet place, and you know, I have I have happy ghosts. <laughs> it's a pleasant haunt. It's a pleasant haunt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So I, I mentioned the website, but why don't you give it again? Let people know how they can learn more about the property if they're interested in in one of the ghost tours or ghost hunts, or if maybe they're interested in a wedding or other special occasion there. Sure. Um, the website is simple, cambryhouse.com. It's spelled C-A-M-B-R-E. So cambryhouse.com. I'm on Instagram, cambry.house. And then, of course, there's Facebook to Cambry House. So. Great. Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thank you, JV. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Great luck with the property. And promise me that if you capture any, like, like full-blown apparitions on video or uh, still photography or whatever it happens to be, or you have another great story uh, to tell people that you'll let us know because we'd love to have you back on and share that with us. Uh, yes, I sure will. All right. Again, Rebecca Williamson, uh, owner of the Cambry House in Nauvoo, Illinois. The website is Cambry House, spelled C-A-M-B-R-E, cambryhouse.com. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.